0: Have you made an honest review? Jump onto fifthwrist.com and read real takes by real owners about their watches. And of course, get involved and write about what's on your wrist. fifthwrist.com is your independent space to talk watches.
1: Why are you dressed up like this to hands? For the rooster? For the rooster is coming? Who's Paul the Rooster? I said Paul the Rooster was coming? That can't be right, I don't even... Oh wait, I said Adam was coming and we were going to talk about Paul Rooters. Paul Rooters, the Universal Geneve Paul Rooter, the watch. Not Paul the Rooster. Uh, Anyway, who's Paul the Rooster? He's very famous on Instahatch. Let me see. Wow, well, yeah, I guess uh, I I guess I can understand why you're disappointed now. That's a damn sexy rooster, Paul the Rooster. Well, you know, you discover new things every day. Anyway, he's not coming. We're going to talk about Paul Reuters, Universal Geneve with Adam from Denmark. So t- take those red lights out. We're not in Amsterdam in the red light district. And uh, just, well, no, don't put any clothes on. Just take off the ones you have, which look just plain stupid. It's not a stripper's club. Okay, now go out and uh, let me prepare the podcast. Music. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Vintage Hen House on FaceFace Radio. I am Benoit, your host, Petit Seconds on Instagram. And I am very pleased today to have, a, as a guest, someone... Who I've been chatting to for a long time on Instagram. He is Adam from uh, at Hamblar H A M B L A R, and he's from Denmark. Hi, Adam. How are you?
0: Hi, Benoit. I'm good, thanks.
1: From Copenhagen, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I I live in Copenhagen now, but I'm
0: originally from Australia. So, bit of a oh, mix. you're Yeah. I didn't know you were Australian. Don't hold it against me.
1: No, well, you know, F- Fifth Race Radio is uh, is mostly an Australian podcast channel. Oh, okay. Yeah, most of the guys uh, who do the podcast are in Australia or are Australian. Yeah. So uh, I did not know you you, you were originally from from oh, I'm, Australia. I'm just another one then. Yeah. Nothing special. <laughs> just another one. <laughs> Wherever we go, there they are the Australians hey, yeah. C- yeah. Are conquering the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, for those who don't know Adam, uh, today's show we will probably be focusing on uh, Universal Genève and Corruto watches, amongst um, probably many other things. Before we start, it's uh, the traditional drinks and wrist checks. So, drink checks. Adam, what are you drinking Ooh, today? I have
0: a. I have an Why not? It's the afternoon on a weekend, so.
1: Why not? I I I must say I've I've probably. I have to admit, I probably never tasted a Negroni. I've never oh. drank one. It's not uh, just because I've never had the occasion, and there's nobody around me who, who like drinks Negronis. So well, you don't need the occasion. Yeah,
0: <laughs> every, every day is an occasion.
1: Well, it sounded a little bit like an alcoholic. I say that, but um... no worries on that side. <laughs> <laughs> um, on my part, I've I've done my own cherry coke with uh, with Coca Cola Zero. And some cherry liquor with absinthe, which is a local liquor with local cherries and absinthe. So it's like an alcoholic version of the the Coke uh, called a cherry Coke. Okay. Uh, Installed soon. Yeah. And it's it's much nicer. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) And on the wrist, I'm wearing my Dodan Type 21 military chronograph. From the French Air Forces, which I've been wearing now for over a week. I'm doing the I'm I'm doing the one week one watch challenge. I'm wearing all of my watches one after the other um, for one whole week to see if uh, if I want to sell some to see if they still please me. So the the Dodan's been here for over a week and uh, it's a great watch. I really like the vintage chronographs. So. That's on my side, and I'm curious to to hear what you're wearing. Uh. Well, you can probably guess briefly. Like <laughs> yes. it, it is a polar router. It's actually a polar router.
0: Um, polar router, yes. Polar router, yeah. So it's the first uh, first six months or something of production, but it's a gold case uh, polar router, eighteen uh, carat gold. The reference is one o two three four three. So this is the very first eighteen uh, carat um run of pole routers basically uh before they changed the spelling from polar router to pole router um yeah so it started with a black dial but it's turned uh, this uh, strange caramelly brown sort of color that uh tropical tropical yeah i mean you can call it that i suppose (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah so but i've only had this on for a couple of hours really today so not quite a week
1: that's a killer piece. It's a very very rare piece because uh yes. Just first of all finding a Polar router is not something very easy than finding an 18 karat gold one in good condition, which I probably guess yours is.
0: Ah, uh, it's not bad. I mean, it's it's not perfect. None of my watches are perfect, but um yeah. No. It's uh it's a very nice piece, I think. And I mean It's got
1: Yeah. It's it's got the classical hands and dial, or or does it have a special uh yeah it's a classical hands and dial i guess but it's um so it's a gold
0: dolphin hands handset um it has the marker ring, that traditional uh marker ring pattern that you associate with most pole routers mm-hmm. um but it has the uh, straight lugs like the early 18 uh, carat cases were well. but um I- i've only seen actually one other polar router like with this same reference um I'm sure there's more, and, but um, I mean, like you said, PolarGraphers are quite hard to come by, um, as they are, but there was sort of something, it looks like there was over 100 of each sub-reference made, I'd guess. Um, but these seem to be even less, which is nice, because the other serial number, sorry, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but um, the other serial number is something like three or four away from this serial number, so it's very close. So it okay. kind of indicates there's not
1: too many made. I'm, I'm searching for it on your Instagram. Is So it's it's got straight lugs? Yeah. Like poor uh, Yeah. 18-carat um,
0: yeah, yellow gold case with a, a caramel brown
1: sort of dial. Yeah. Nearly leopard. It. It's yeah. Got like, uh, yeah. And it's got a strange pattern. And it's got uh, indexes at uh, 12, 3, 6, and, uh, yes. and uh, 9, which is very yeah. odd because I, I guess they kind of left them out for the, for the later ones. Yeah, um, I don't know.
0: It was a long time before, before I was born, so I'm mean, uh, sure they had a reason in the design department.
1: I didn't even know that the first cases didn't have those uh, Lear lugs. Yeah, um, they
0: had them for the steel versions, but for, and for the oh. uh, gold cap versions, they still had them. But when they were making the 18 karat case at the same time, this is this uh, reference is what they uh, were selling, along with the gold capped with the lion lugs and uh, the steel cases with the lion lugs. Um, they introduced uh, the same lugs on 18 karat cases a little bit later uh, when they introduced the micro rotor movement. So this still has the early bumper style uh, with that big yeah. uh, rotor that sits over the back of the movement, bouncing around. A,
1: we are going to dig, yeah. um, <laughs> deep dive, I think. Yeah, we into, won't spend, won't just, spend an just hour a bit on a one watch. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, just uh, tell us how, what's your personal story with watches? How did you get into collecting in the first place?
0: Well, uh, I mean, um, it's probably about, um, it's almost 10 years ago now, I guess. I think my first vintage watch was actually, it probably was a pole router. Um. I had I had a Speedmaster before then and, and uh Sea Dweller that's about it. But then you know, it's, everyone sort of seemed to hit that um I want a vintage watch moment in their life around the same time. Sort of yeah. in uh, 2010, 2012, two thousand ten, two thousand twelve, twenty fourteen, everyone started to really they just needed them. Um so my poll my first polar uh, pole router, sorry, was was around I think it's eight or ten years ago, and it was one of my first vintage watches. But um, I guess I read an article on them on, I maybe it was Head Dinky or some other as a watch blog website. You know the usual uh, SAS story. It sounded really cool. Um, yeah. So I kind of started to hunt around for one, and eBay was eBay was pretty much <laughs> where everyone went back then. But you were collecting watches before that though, uh, no, right? I wouldn't say collecting. I had watches. I, w- I wasn't really actively collecting them. I kind of just had them. <laughs> I had them and I liked them. But um, but This is sort of what kicked off the, the vintage uh, collecting side of me. Um, okay. So yeah, I mean, I read a, some blog post on them um, and sort of started to hunt around for one and I didn't really know much about them. No one really knew a whole lot rather than Pole routers are nice watches. That was sort of the peak of it, um, and all I knew was I really wanted a steel case and a black dial. That's all. That's all I knew. I had no idea there were any differences that you could get a hundred
1: different types of uh, pole router with a steel case and black dial. Um, it's 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 funny because when I started collecting vintage, it it was a bit in the same way. But I read an article about lip watches, yeah, French uh, French which were yeah. made in around my region, and I saw people selling them in the US, in, in different countries, and that's what started my uh, my curiosity. And then when I strayed into the universal Genève and Paul Router watches at one point, uh, all the ones that everyone wanted, and me too, was, were the, the ones with the black dial. Yeah. So I don't know if it's the, the common Paul router everyone wants to start with, but I have a couple of friends who also started or wanted one with a black dial. It's like you know, kind of a, the tuxedo with the outer yeah. ring and uh,
0: I think that's kind of the the like when you say pole router that's what everyone sort of thinks of. Um, that's the first image that pops into their head but um, I mean I when people ask me now about it like okay if can you help me find one which I've sort of started saying no to because there's so many requests but occasionally there's um, a couple some people I help out I'll say sure I'll try what 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 are you after and they kind of say the same thing, steel case, black tile. And I kind of recognize, yeah, okay, okay, I was at that point once. And uh, I kind of direct them and say, we well, have to be a little more specific because there's a lot of those. Like, um, <laughs> you know, kind of help me narrow it down a little. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice that what I didn't have back then was a reference. Um, and in my case, that my first pull router ended up
1: being a complete disaster. Um, yes. Oof. It was... Uh, I think everyone that has started to collect or search for polar routers has at least one bad experience. Yeah. (laughs) Mine mine kind of kicked off the website,
0: I suppose, in a way. um, Really? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I bought it from – it was on eBay after a few weeks of clicking around, but it was – or everything about it was a disaster, really, but I didn't know at the time. It wasn't cheap for the time, considering it was – eight, ten years ago or something like that. But um, that eBay uh, global, what's it called? Global shipping program had just started. Okay. um, Where it's like automatically pay import fees up front and then supposedly it just arrives at your door. But it just started and it was not straightforward. whatsoever. I paid import fees, like uh, ended up 30% on top of the sale price. And then when it arrived at the country, the local... um, (laughs) (laughs) Report a department said, I have no idea what you're talking about. You still have to pay the 25 to 30 percent. Oh, no! So (laughs) it ended up something like 60 percent on top of the auction auction closing price, well over a thousand US dollars that I paid. Considering how long ago that was and what prices they were sort of sitting at back then, it was had to be one of the most expensive steel pole routers ever sold on eBay. Um, but hey, you know, I had my black dial steel pole router. At least, Which was still a disaster. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, so I thought. But there was something about it that didn't quite look the same as other online photos of the black dial steel uh, pole routes. I couldn't really f- put my finger on it. Um, and eventually I figured out it was just a really badly repainted dial. Um, so not Ouch. only was, was it hideously expensive, but it also had a shitty dial oh. on it. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of like a mixture of sadness, anger at myself for being so stupid and also the seller for not saying uh, being quite yes. upfront of what happened yeah it kind of p- pushed into more curiosity like okay what how do i fix this how do
1: i fix this so but, uh, that's kind of uh very harsh as especially if it's your first vintage watch you know? yeah yeah that's, that's like you know often uh, we talk about the learning curve but that's not a curve at all yeah you just hit the wall straight it's, a, wall. it's a cliff
0: <laughs> it's a cliff i think yeah but um it did it did put me off them i think uh for for a time i started it just went away in a cupboard um and didn't think about it, but um and then went on to like looking at okay now I'm interested in Hoyers and like some i w c and all these sorts of things
1: yeah. um
0: but I kind of eventually came back to it and and noticed that there were these numbers on it and kind of noticed there was other other watches other pole routers and universals everything with numbers on them and it's like what do these all mean and, uh, and that grew into a spreadsheet trying to figure out what these numbers mean and then lots of questions sort of uh, from like uh, from Instagram users and forums and all those sorts of things trying to say okay well, I've just got this watch what does this mean is this a what are these numbers and all that sort of thing and I just kind of it got a little bit uh, excessive so I, I asking about spreadsheet so i ended up basically just buying a um, domain name making a logo
1: and then just dropping the spreadsheets on the website and then kind of it snowballed from there so so basically yes you you bought your first vintage watch which was a poor router yeah around 2014 2015 that's what you said or 2012 yeah somewhere around then 2012 and then uh and then we went to collecting some other vintage pieces like Hoyer's and IWC, mm. but then came back to the pool, routers and started to 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 have the idea of the website. And that was how long ago, roughly? Uh, I mean, the website
0: um, actually, I, I mean, when I started, it wasn't to make a website at all. It was just for my own curiosity to try and fix this one disaster of a watch. <laughs> but um, the website actually was first published two years ago
1: now, I think. Okay. Yes, but um, you started working and doing some research because of this first yeah. bad buy, yeah, and and that was like uh, years before the website. Yeah,
0: and but it kind of got
1: addictive. Like I'd figured out, okay,
0: what mine is, but then there's all these other ones. Like, okay, it, like why stop there? I can like, keep going. <laughs> what everything should be. So.
1: And why, except for the blog articles, do you think you stuck to polar routes? Is it living in Copenhagen with the SAS and 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 all that around you? Did that help or not at all? Um, or have an influence? To be honest, it sounds like it should
0: have, but uh, I don't. I don't think it did. Um, it, it, anywhere you live, it's a nice story, right? It's um, true. First uh, commercial flights over the pole and all this sort of thing. Um, it's kind of it's. It's a, it's really kind of an international story more than anything, but it's I'd, I'd say it's more of a coincidence that I was that I'm in uh, Copenhagen than anything.
1: Because yeah, um, some people maybe don't know the story, but basically the uh, the router router was made by Universal Genève uh, in uh, 1950s. I think it's 1953 or 54. Yeah, 54. <clears throat> because Universal Genève were the official suppliers of the SAS, the the Danish airline. And they uh, they did their first flight from Copenhagen to Los Angeles, flying over the pole, over the North Pole, uh, in 1954. And Universal Geneve created the watch with Gerald Jenta doing the design Uh, at that time, uh, with specific, uh, I guess, anti-magnetic um, properties. Yeah. For the uh, for the pilots and the crew and and the crew members, I think. Yes. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I
0: guess the crew members maybe didn't need a such exact timing (laughs) but um the pilots did apparently so but it kind of um it wasn't the watch that made the flights possible as far as I can tell it was more the invention of the gyroscope um that made this possible but I think it was actually a a very serious marketing move by Universal Genève uh, at the time
1: at the time, it was true that uh, watch uh, advertisement and uh, communication was mainly axed around big events like like the Everest with the Smiths yeah. and the Explorer, yeah. like, you know, a, a, a diving and stuff like that. And uh, it's, it falls completely into place that Universal Geneva at the time did this also for for communication say, yeah. and the watch more. Yeah. I mean, I
0: guess they didn't have... Uh... Instagram influencers
1: back then, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, lots of newspaper adverts, though. So.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so um, concerning poll routers, we, we touched a bit about yours, which was one of the very first, which was called the Pole R Router with an A, and quickly, about a, a year after, they switched to an E for Pole Router. Um, if, if you were to, to give us a brief description of, of the model of how it evolved, because I think you, you will be able oh, to How we I mean, have? Uh, <laughs> we have all the time we want, but just yeah. like a brief uh, a historic evolution of the model.
0: OK, well, I guess it's like you said, it started with the Polar router um, that were in production for, I think, uh, sometime around six months, give or take, uh, before they changed, uh, changed the spelling of the name. Uh, why that is, I'm not entirely sure. It's um, there's some anecdotal evidence that they had problems with pronunciation in different countries and it was more just a marketing move that it's easier to okay. say. Um, but I, I, that could be wrong. I'm not sure. That's just guesses. Yeah, it's just guesses. really. Um, but then I guess, so they then the, the major moves was going from
1: the bumper movement upgrading to the micro rotor. Yeah. So the bumper movement is, uh, is, is, is the one called the one thirty eight SS. Yeah. Um,
0: and I think they had that in the in the first uh, the first run of pole routers as well.
1: Yeah, for like one year or so, maybe. Yeah. Uh, sort of, uh, probably
0: two years. Two uh, years. All, all of these dates and numbers are sort of give or take, but um, we can, we, as time goes on, we get a better and better idea of, of how accurate we can be. Um, so there's a couple of years they had them before they had introduced the micro rotor movement. Um, the watch has got a little bit thinner, uh, and also. Uh, they started to have uh, small case and large case uh, options, basically, and all different reference numbers. Um, and they sort of ran with that model, and they added the date models and uh, small changes in the logos that they were using. Um, and then, uh, then I guess, in the mid-60s, they had a little ch- uh, change in the case. They went away from yes. these, uh, the lion lugs um, into sort of a half- Half lier lug,
1: yeah. Because we we can often see models with flat lugs, yeah, uh, or, like, yeah or like a half lier like like yeah. you say, and and that was from the mid sixties around uh, about. Uh, I mean, it started uh, they there started to introduce extra models like
0: the Polaro uh, Jet and the Polaro Genève. Um, yeah, and they had different case shapes. The Jet had these straight. Uh, I don't know how to describe them. Um, straight. Uh, angled lugs I yeah and know. and it was much thinner also it was much thinner yeah um and that was uh, late 50s i think um, they introduced these models and then they, they sort of had all these models running together um up until 65 or so there was some logo changes case changes that sort of thing but they still use essentially the same uh, base micro rotor movement
1: uh, the classical poll router models with the Lear logs or yeah. or half Lear logs there was the pole router date which was the same with the date function yeah. and there were the jets which were, which were thinner with with uh angular logs and there were the poll router geneve which which had classic cases yeah. like yours, or with uh, just straight logs
0: that
1: that was the uh, the basis of the models yeah the majority of them yeah that um
0: yeah, and then in uh, '65 they started to. I mean, they ran with that same basic case shapes, dial types, and all that for until around '65 uh, when they started to really change things. And I guess the watch world was changing a lot around then as well. They'd already introduced the polar out, uh, electric movement a couple of years
1: before, and uh, yeah, and then everything sort of went on from there. I, I like this poor router electric because uh, the electric movements were done by LIP in France. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and I have a, an electronic watch from LIP. It's part of uh, the personal history where I live. Yeah. So I've, I've seen uh, a couple around where, where I am. I, I don't know if in Copenhagen you can find easier ways of like, well, like more poor routers because uh, there's Denmark or, or not at all um I or would you search I for' them? really
0: found too many here it's, It may seem strange but they I think most of them are in the US um, or in Sweden um I guess at the time maybe Denmark wasn't such a, uh, the Danish people weren't really in a position to to be buying like fancy dress watches um okay. so I, I don't actually see that many in Denmark it's also it's also a small country right uh, population of Around five and a half million. Um, so you, there's only so many people you could have sold a pole router to. Um, the US was a much bigger market, and also Sweden and Norway as well.
1: Um, it's yeah. um, basically the the market for it is worldwide, and is very. It's a very tough market. When I started to 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 collect pole routers, because I've had a few in my collection, and I've both sold many. Um, I, there wasn't your website at the time, so you kind of took infos from where you could. And uh, I guess you would have more info than me at the time because you were starting your spreadsheets and uh, really a, a digging deep. But it's it's very hard because the cases, the dials, the movements, they're easily changeable, swappable. Yeah. And uh, you, you find a lot of Franken watches mm. that uh, are more or less badly restored. And it's a real jungle. Yeah. And I kind of gave up at one point because uh, I'd had the models that I liked. I'd had a Polo Router super, which was the diversion, dive yeah. which was yeah. nice. I'd had a couple of Puru Routers which were great, which I enjoyed, and I kind of moved on mm. to something else. But the I I had the feeling after that when I followed from a distance to the market that it was getting worse and worse. As the prices mm-hmm. were getting higher and the people were were looking more and more for poll routers, the demand was increasing. Mm-hmm. Uh like nine watches out of ten sold mm-hmm. on online, bid by pros or by eBay, were just shit watches. Yeah. I, I think it's it's
0: more of a case that um I mean, before this whole vintage movement uh watch movement started or gained so much traction I guess, um they they weren't really um they were just watches, right? So, uh, something goes wrong or the dials, got a problem. It just got repainted, like, like a lot of watches that weren't, uh, they weren't Rolex or Patek or whatever. They weren't so cared for, I suppose. Um, even though they were quite expensive at the time when they were being released, but in sort of the 80s, 90s, no one, they weren't collectible. Um, so that's, I guess, how they ended up at their current state. But, and as they got more and more, uh, known, uh people sort of pick them up from the from their drawers and went, oh I've got one without realizing that uh, yeah <laughs> you've got <laughs> you've got one but uh <laughs> technically <laughs> yeah, but the hands are wrong or yeah. the cases has yeah. been swapped or yeah. So um and I mean we still there are there are a lot of pole routers out there. It's um Yes, tons. They are they are easy to find, but it's what's getting harder is finding a really good one. Um really nice it's more difficult and
1: it's it's getting very tough and people are willing now to pay more and more for these yeah because they are rare and what's interesting is that um, it's the same for a lot of vintage watch markets I mean if you buy vintage Rolex it's the same problem if you buy uh, I don't know a vintage uh, uh, I guess a Patek Philips or y- you can find a lot of vintage Vacheron Constantin are the dress watches they made in gold in the 60s. There are lots of them, but there aren't that many that have the right movement, that yeah. are in good condition, that that haven't had crown changes or anything. Mm-hmm. And um, it's uh, it's the same problem, but I found it was even harder with the poor routers because there were so many minor changes along the line that you never really knew if, uh, if it was correct or not. And that's what's really interesting about uh, when you started your website, because mm-hmm. your website has a very extensive uh, amount of data, very precise, with all the reference numbers, with uh, with lots, lots, lots of data, which means that you can, when you're searching for poll routers, you can basically go to your website, uh, put in the, uh, the serial number, and check if it's really a black dial one or a white dial one, White yeah. dial one or gold capped, or and and that is an absolutely, how do you say, a necessary tool now when you're collecting yeah. these watches. And I think it, it gives
0: one advantage over, say, vintage Patek or Vacheron uh, collectors in that there are a lot of pull routers out there, right? And if you do get one with even with a replace dial or something, it can be fixed. The dials are out there. You can find the right dial to to fix um, or restore your watch. I that's my first watch. Uh, I ended up finding a new old stock dial. It's exactly the correct one for it. About maybe a year or so ago, uh, in Finland, of all places. Wow. Uh, and now it's like uh, it's fantastic. It was such a good feeling to get the right dial on it and bin the the hideous thing that was on there before. Um. So, so the parts are out there, actually. With a little bit of patience, you can find them. If, if you have the same problem with a vintage Vacheron, good luck finding a dial for that. Yeah. Uh, gosh. I mean, that, that is the one advantage that we sort of have over these other uh, vintage uh, niches, I suppose.
1: But it still took you some time because you bought the watch like in 2012 and you only got the dial in 2019. So you have to be patient, I I guess. I I
0: didn't start (laughs) uh, searching for the dial in 2012. I had to build a website
1: first, you know. (laughs) Yes, that's true. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, It and it can only happen with these watches because there is your website. I don't know of any other um, watch brand or model That has such a nicely done website. (sighs) It's really nicely done because there's search tools, there's a lot, there's really everything. Uh, If if someone wants to spend a lot of time searching, he can on your website. And if someone just needs to check an info, like uh, is it a good movement on this watch or not, you can find it in two minutes. And uh, what's even better, I find, and was a brilliant idea is that not only there is your website, so we'll give the address of the website, which is universalgeneverouter.com. if I'm correct. Fairly straightforward, yeah. <laughs> yes, very straight, straightforward. And um, you also developed a um, phone application.
0: Uh, yes, I, I mean, I take no credit for that, actually. I, I didn't do that at all. It's um, Andy from, uh, I think, uh 1010 10, timepieces is his instagram uh, and then yes. he actually developed it entirely by himself um all right, sir. Uh,
1: but based on your own, websites yeah
0: so all i had to do was supply um the data for him to build it i mean and that was I, i've really done nothing uh, essentially nothing to, to make that up it's all andy
1: uh, oh, I thought it was uh, it was either you or a collaboration with someone.
0: Oh yeah, I guess you could call it a collaboration, but it was a very one sided collaboration. <laughs> um, and and he's still updating it and doing all this cool stuff. Um,
1: so well, he I'm will sure. he will probably update it with your last website update, I guess. Yeah, we have a plan. More data. We have a plan. But that's also great because when you're uh, hunting vintage watches and you're doing watch fairs, which we can't do since COVID. Yeah, but when I used to go to a lot of watch fairs and search for models, and you find a poll router, and every, it's always the same questions. First of all, you look at all the details, see if uh, if the watch, if it's the correct case, if, it's the, if the movement is correct, if the dial hasn't been repainted, if the hands hadn't been changed, so you start to look at everything. And then if you want to check if everything is legitimate, you just have to open your iPhone, or android or whatever and uh, open the poll router app and then uh, search the serial number and you have all the data about the watch you can check if it's correct yeah and that makes things uh, so much easier and you can do the same with the website on your browser but basically it's uh, it's a tremendous tool for the buyer and it's uh, it's 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 a killer tool for the seller because there are the sellers that have adapted, and there are all those that haven't. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, and they are I'm still sitting the bad ones. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, the app, the way it updates, it's always slightly behind the site. Um, so the most up-to-date information is always going to be on the site. Um, the app has to push through updates through manually, but uh, the website I'm updating pretty much daily. Maybe it's just one serial number that I change. Maybe it's an entire gallery that gets added or, or something, as well as the marketplace, that sort of thing. Uh, so you work at it daily then? i uh, I say pretty much daily, but I mean, work, not so much. It might just be I catch a, a, a new serial number on a, a watch that's up for auction or or something. Uh, and I just update the spreadsheet. But there's a lot of very minor changes and all that sort of thing.
1: It's taking you a lot of your time to do all this because, uh, you know, all the research, all the things, all the data that people bring you, because I guess that some people send you stuff and, yeah. and kind of put it together, but uh, yeah. it's it's still like a like a part-time job, no? Ah, but it's it's fun, to be honest. <laughs>
0: I wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. Um, <laughs> of course. I mean, I, don't, it, it, I you don't make any money out of it. Uh, it takes time. It costs money, basically.
1: So if it wasn't fun, I wouldn't do it um that's kind of a it's kind of a gift to the community and to collectors because as you say you're not monetizing it and it's not the aim you're just doing all this uh to help others basically ah yeah it's also it's quite useful for myself as well because there's yeah, only so much you can remember <laughs> 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 and then you have to start writing it down um, yeah, but you, you, you could like uh, write it down all for yourself and then uh, do a book and sell it 500 euros like the ones on Rolexes done by famous collectors or, you know, stuff like that. But you chose the other way of uh, open sourcing it so that people can find the, the info. I hadn't actually thought about that, but maybe I should uh, turn <laughs> into a,
0: take the website down turn it into a book. That's a, Maybe that's a good idea. <laughs>
1: We have a lot of podcasts at the moment on people who make books. There's, yeah. there's been a recent one with one of the team, Roman, and uh, there's a guy who made a book on any car watches, yeah. which apparently is, uh, is really well. And uh, I, I think it's, it's good to have a book for your personal knowledge and uh, it's entertaining. But having a website the way yours is made, it's even more like a tool yeah a tool for the collector a tool for the watch hunter yeah and that's what
0: i find really really cool i think the one thing it has over a book is that you can't update a book i mean you have to buy a new book basically yes um especially if you're talking about one serial change here this oh and now there's a new reference are you going to buy a whole new book just for that it's just kind of a a little bit annoying i think um and there's so much we don't know about there's so many gaps to fill in poll routers basically um I think we probably would be lucky if we found half of them and documented half of
1: them. Um, That's still enormous compared to what exists uh, for for other models. Yeah, I've got an explorer, a 1016 uh, explorer from the 60s. And there's a guy, uh, I'll, I'll have to find him again, who, who made a, a website on the 1016 with serials, with stuff like that. But it's nowhere near as developed as your website. Um, and 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 what's good, like you said, is that you're keeping it alive because you keep updating it, and that's not the case for everyone. So while your website lives on and you up, update it, it gets more and more important and interesting. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you think that way. No, no, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm 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 honestly very impressed. And so the website came out two years ago, and on the original website, there was the blog section, yeah. there was tech, tech info, movement details, uh, full reference tables with uh, with serial numbers with each watch specifying the case material, the hands, the dial, the movement, uh, the, everything. Photo galleries, accessories on catalogs, boxes, uh, papers, etc. Vintage ads and patents. That was the original uh, website, which has already a lot of information. And you did an update this week, a big update. Yes. So tell us more about it. What, how did that come about? Um, well, I guess it
0: partly came about because COVID and a lot of free time. Um, <laughs> and and it, it, was, uh, it was mainly, um, it just kind of needed an update basically. My, my girlfriend actually uh, had been into like self-taught website design uh in the last sort of year and i kind of uh, it grew from there and started onto a little project that we we did um but it probably took it took a a lot more time than i expected that's for sure um it's taken i mean it's not a full-time thing but probably over the last six months it's been building um a lot of tiny little details going to um designing Every single little page and menu button and everything—it's—I uh, actually have a renewed um, respect for for website designers after this after this <laughs> last six months. Um, but they actually do have a difficult job, despite what a
1: lot of people think. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, because there was a big aesthetics um, renewal. I know uh, how would you say? Like you uh, yeah. you change uh, the aesthetics; it's a little bit more modern. A little
0: bit more professional looking, I'd hope. Yes. <laughs> the first one was quite an amateur job, but I mean, the, the it was point, still good. Though. The point was just to have the information there that people could access. Um, yes. And, and it achieved that, I think. So the next step was sort of um, build on that, make it more uh, user friendly um, because there started to be so much information on there that it kind of became a little bit difficult to, to sift through. Um, yeah. So we yeah. had to work on that a little. For
1: especially for new collectors, that's true. It was a the old one was a bit austere. You <laughs> <see>. <laughs> yeah. It was getting a bit austere, yeah. but uh, the uh, the new one is like all these modern sites with the with the flowing pictures. It's it's really nice to uh, to navigate through. And there's a big new thing, which is the marketplace. So tell us a bit about that. How does it work? What's the idea behind that? Um, it's I guess it's, it's a pole router specific
0: marketplace. So it's, it's, the idea is to try and, I mean, collectors know uh, this guy here has this sort of stuff. This guy here has parts for this movement or this guy here found a stash of hands or what crowns or whatever. Um, but if, if you're a one, nobody knows everyone basically. Um, so the idea is to, to try and pull all these router parts and router watches and everything into one place. So if you need something for your watch, uh, you know where to go. You don't have to sift through eBay for forever or Chrono24 or all these other websites, and forums and all that sort of thing. You've got a good chance of finding it in one place. Um, and it, it's only – it's it's not a marketplace in the same way that, you know, Chrono24 and all that sort of thing is, but it's more a um, – yeah it's a community basically you contact it's a, a way to contact the seller or contact the person that wants to buy something it doesn't do anything beyond that um so you can list watches and parts for sale um and you just have basically end up with a contact button and users can use that to contact you and you 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 two take it from there um the website doesn't deal with anything to do with that it doesn't handle any money whatsoever that sounds like a nightmare to me so i didn't want to get involved.
1: Yes, but uh, still, you you contacted people selling uh, parts or watches and told them that they could be on your on I, your marketplace. Or do you it's open to everyone?
0: Uh, you can just register, and if you have Polarada parts for sale, you can add a few pictures and say what it's for, and and post an ad up. Um, or if you're searching for something specific, like a, you need a crown for the, a certain watch, um, you find a picture of it, post it up, and say you wanted to buy uh you have to register on the site of course um okay so people know how to contact you and it sort of stops it's maybe you have to register to stop spam uh spam ads and everything um and to stop people posting non poll router stuff and all that sort of stuff
1: okay and uh, do you control what's happening on it if if someone's selling one uh, with a badly read on or franken poll router um or, uh,
0: I do have a I approve the posts, basically, that's all. Okay. Um, so it stops spam, it stops bad advertisements, that sort of thing. So hopefully it ends up with a a decent reputation for a place to find
1: real real stuff. So so basically the the ads we can see on this marketplace have been kind of approved by you.
0: Uh, validated
1: by you. Well, I'm not taking any responsibility for them, but uh, yeah, yeah, basically. Well, that's that's already a first big, uh, big selection because you can move away all the shit stuff which yeah. is everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and try and narrow it down a little. Yeah. And uh, th- did you advertise on this? Uh, contacting people, or or maybe on your Facebook group? Because I I know that you have a very active Facebook page, also on the parutas. Um, have I have I put any marketplace? Like, uh, yeah, because you know you just updated the website. There's a marketplace, but did you tell people that uh, they could come and put their ad, or are you going to kind of uh, um, contact? Uh,
0: I think hopefully it'll just sort of happen as it happens. There's no rush um, okay. you know, to sort of build there, there's a I think there's sort of uh, 30 or something ads on there at the moment that people have dropped parts on for sale and watches Um and uh, when it opened it was there's quite a few that already sold it was quite quick for a couple of
1: people and um, so it seems to work. Um. I navigated through uh, yesterday Mm -hmm. and it had just opened and there were already a lot of ads. And uh, I I was quite impressed. So so that's why I was wondering if you had contacted people before to Uh, to push them
0: a bit to... Yeah, I I got a couple of people that I knew were selling or planning on selling some things. And I said, hey, how about you uh, drop them up here so people have something to to buy when it it opens up. (laughs) Um, But even then, there's been some some new ads coming out uh, yesterday and today as well. So hopefully it's a place that people can come back and maybe we'll set up some alert system or we've already had some uh, interesting um, suggestions to add filters and add these little functions and all that sort of thing so it'll kind of it it'll, it'll evolve into something even nicer hopefully
1: I find that's uh, that's kind of interesting because I mean your website is a very specialized website on pod routers uniquely and uh, you only just opened the marketplace Two or three days ago, and it's already uh, active. Yeah. Uh, so, so that must mean that you must have daily quite a regular amount of people on your website. I don't know if you have stats since opening. Is it something that works um, well?
0: Yeah, I, it seems to be okay. I mean, it is a pole routers are still a very niche uh, collector market. Um, it's not everyone who who wants to buy a vintage watch knows what a pole router is. Um, but uh, since I think the afternoon it opened, we had something like three and a half thousand uh, page views um, just Whoa. yesterday. So it was quite popular, um, uh, quite a bit more than I'd expected. I think um, so. That's nice. It means people are interested, and it it was it seems so far like a, a decent idea. And we see how it goes.
1: I, I can see that the the website is getting known because in the last couple of years uh, I had I had people contacting me for help on poor routers because I've had many and uh, I kind of give the help I can give and now each time I just tell them just look go go on the phone app or, or, or on the website and now I'll say on the website because it's more up to date and check the infos for yourself it's very simple. And I've already oriented a couple of people who wanted to buy a watch and who were asking me for advice on the watch. And I said, "Look, just take the serial number, uh, look it up on the website, see if all matches. Yeah. And if it does, then you're good." Yeah. And basically, that's the only advice I have to give now. Yeah. Is uh, is uh, except maybe on very peculiar models, things you don't see often. When maybe I'll like. So just a uh, contact Adam, uh, yeah, and, and ask him if you have a doubt once you've checked on the website. But uh, I know of two people who have bought a pull router after uh, checking your website to make sure that everything was legit and that the watch was a uh, correct to what was described. Yeah. So I think it's, uh,
0: it, it's kind of uh, I mean it's good to hear, but it's also important to remember that. Um, there's still a lot of poll routers that we haven't documented. So just because you have a watch that's not on the website um, doesn't mean it's not real and not correct. It, it's uh, There's a lot that we haven't found that are produced in very small numbers um, that just haven't popped up for us. Um, and also with things like serial number ranges, the, the ranges that we publish are uh, the only the ones that were found so far. This isn't some definitive uh, range that comes from some uh, fantastic archive down in a basement in Geneva. Um, this is just from what we've found so far, and we can validate ourselves basically. So and so these ranges are changing all the time, um, but they're yeah. they getting closer and closer to, I guess, what we can call the truth, uh, the real <laughs> the real ranges that that actually exist. Um, but I, I encourage people if they do have something that doesn't seem quite right or something that isn't on the website, just send me a message and and I'll do my best to.
1: To help. Yes, and also you are always looking for new stuff. I remember when you started the website, you asked me and I sent you the photos, the serial numbers of the watches I had, and you've done that with a lot of people. And uh, you're still, I I guess you are still looking for all the the stuff you can find. So uh, if I can give uh, two counsels to people who want to get a little bit into the ProRoot adventure is first, do a little bit of homework. And it's very easy with Adam's website, because it's very well made. If you're looking for a watch, or if you want to check a watch, just uh, look up the website. Look at all the details. Read the articles, uh, because they are very interesting. And uh, and secondly, if you have a poor router at home in your collection, and you haven't contacted Adam and sent photos of it, just send him a message. He'll be very happy to 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 put your photos on the website if they are uh, interesting for the community and uh, and to update his website and to gain even more info to be even more precise.
0: Yeah, if, it, if it's, a, I mean, an update for better photos, the photos on there are just photos that I've found, um, Google Images, old auctions, all this sort of thing. Um, so I don't really have control over how bad the photography is um, or how good. So, um, I'm always interested in, uh, better photos, uh, of nicer condition pieces. Um, a lot of, a lot of the time it's not possible to find an example with a nice photo, clear photo that has, uh, sometimes even the correct crown on it or, or something like that. So I have to use what I have basically. So if you, if you have something that, you know, it's better than what's in the gallery, send it, send it along and, and we'd love to update it.
1: Yeah. Great. Um, Do you, have you expanded a little uh, beyond pull routers I I know on on the website, there's a bit on the pull router subs, on the pro-router super, but is that something you've you've been holding down for a bit and maybe you would have more time later or? Um, I think it kind of, it's one of those funny things that
0: the easiest way to research or find out about these is to buy it, have it in your hands and take it apart and see what's different <laughs> um and, and I guess sh- it's been easiest with the uh, what's most available so the watches I get I I, I know most about them um but there's sort of a limit to that and things like Polarada subs they they're much more expensive traditionally than of course polar Polarada dates Polarada that sort of thing um so that means I have very few of them <laughs> so that means I haven't taken many apart uh and we don't know so much about them, or I don't know so much about them. But, I mean, all things take time. Eventually, I'm sure I'm going to get more. It's one of those addictive hobbies. It's I've never gone down in the number of pole routers in my collection. It's only ever gone up despite my best efforts. <laughs> well, <laughs> not my best efforts, but uh, my best efforts according to what I tell my girlfriend. <laughs> hopefully she doesn't li- listen to um, podcasts
1: <laughs> well, uh, well that brings us, us back to the collecting part which is uh, what I really like talking about so what does your collection look like is it 100% whole router are you a mono collector or to- or is it totally different
0: um I think, I mean, I, I used to be into Hoyas. I, I used to be. I still am into Hoyas. Um, I think they're fantastic watches, the uh, Hoyas, um, 60s, 70s, even 50s chronographs. Yes. Um, but, you know, this, the pole routers have definitely taken over um, in a big way. <laughs> they're, they're like, a, I mean, i think, trying to think of another better word than a weed, but they they've really uh, <laughs> like outnumbering everything else in a big way.
1: Is it a weed or just weed? Because both <laughs> can work uh, <laughs> in the context. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: maybe a little of both. Um, <laughs> but um, I'd say it's probably at the moment 70% poor
1: artists or something. The people like numbers, Adam, how many watches? How many watches? <laughs> watches. Uh, don't be afraid of your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> um, o- over 100. Um, wow yeah oh yeah yeah so serious collecting
0: um yeah i mean everything there's always a faster gun right um uh, serious collecting it's all relative there's people yes uh, true. people with a thousand watches and some ridiculous amounts but then
1: um
0: yeah it's all oh, relative.
1: But, but you see i love doing these shows because each time the guy says I have 50, 80, 100 watches, and I feel so much better with my friends. <laughs> yeah. So on all these on on all these watches, seventy percent are pole routers uniquely. Uh, yeah, I'd say something like that. I mean,
0: I, I don't sit there counting them every day. Um, and yeah, no, sure, and just uh, like I think I have four pole routers in the post on the way to me at the moment um and parts <laughs> and all sorts of stuff there's like uh, the most used app on my phone is like the postal app uh, with tracking we track it and you get that kind of weird feeling i, I uh, i'm completely unfulfilled when there's you run out of tracking numbers <laughs> there's nothing on its way to me uh, i feel like i have to do something about that so but that's probably another um someone else i have to talk to about that issue <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you're another one of those, and I count them, I I count myself in them, one of those uh, furious eBay collectors, searches. Yes. 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 I have maxed out my uh, eBay search, uh,
0: saved searches. I, I have maxed out, I think it's at 100 maximum you can do, 150. Um. 100,
1: 150 saved, eBay searches. Saved searches. Saved searches. So updating constantly, yeah. Wow. Oh next level yeah this is next level i love it i i remember spending so much time on ebay so much time but it's, it's
0: still even though um i mean people say oh it's so hard to find a good you still find very nice watches right you just it's kind of you just have to be quick you have to and you have to be patient to be and be quick, quick to be quick you have to know what you're looking for um so you have to spend a lot of time to know what you're looking for and things on like for pole routers you have to spend a lot of time looking and kind of less time buying at the start. Um, and that, that's very, I understand that's very hard to do for, for especially people who are new to um, collecting specific watches. It's hard to have patience.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I tell people. When I started, I was roaming eBay. I had, uh, I don't know, maybe 50 safe searches. And, uh, and you kind of put lots of watches in your favorites. Mine were always full. Um, yeah. And uh, not to buy, mm. but just to to see how it sells. Uh, you know, just see the prices, keep keep track. And you have to go on eBay every day and spend hours every day. I really remember, I've, maybe I I've spent two or three years of my life <laughs> every day on on eBay at least a couple of hours. Yeah, uh, and and that might seem crazy, but it's, it's the only way to not just to buy stuff, but to get education. Yeah. Because because you can't handle all those watches, mm. but just seeing them on eBay with the photos, seeing for how much they go, seeing how the auctions work, is you, you gain knowledge. Yeah. And, uh, and okay. that's, that's how some people kind of came to me as a poor router expert at one time, because I've had a lot and I could tell major differences and, uh, and things like that not as much as you now, but uh, I still uh, like to share this and to help all the people I could. But it does take a lot of time. I have eBay on the second page of my iPhone and uh, it's a challenge every day not to go on it because I stopped doing that. Uh, amateur, it's on the first page for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I have stopped doing that. Yeah. It, was on the, it was on my first page of the iPhone Yeah, uh, and I had the notifications and I stopped because I had to, to put back uh, this kind of uh, watch yeah. connecting. Yeah, maybe that's oh, well. a good idea. <clears throat> well, no, that's I, 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 know I will get back to it. I know how it works. I know. I would love to get back to it, but I don't have the time to do it properly, so I prefer not to do it than to do it uh, just a bit.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I think it's um, it's only that kind of advice is kind of only something you can give in hindsight, right? It's very hard. Uh, for people to take the advice, like have patience. That's almost impossible for someone to take. I mean, I remember starting collecting that's, uh, everyone said, just, just relax, have patience, have a look. And it's impossible. Everyone seems to go through the same collecting phase, right? Yes. It starts with just buy everything, uh, followed by the regret of the crap that you've bought <laughs> right? followed, yes. by, followed by the patience phase. Um, and then you start to buy, you start to look for really nice pieces. Um, it's, and I think I I hope I hope I'm in that in that uh, last phase that
1: I've um, that we've been talking about. that, you know, you never know. No, it's you are definitely there because uh, of the experience, because of the time. The more time you spend on it, the more you gain experience, and and the more precise you are, and you won't buy anything on top of your head. Um, but oh, uh, it happens occasionally. <laughs> yes. Yes, but with a keen eye, I guess, yeah. with a more precise eye. Uh, but that's fun because uh, I, I had to stop because it, it, it was too overwhelming for me because I didn't specialize in, uh, in just one type of watches. I had lots of things I like. There are too many things I like. So I had uh, too many results, and it got out of hand. And since I didn't want to specialize in something, uh, which would have been the logical issue, like you did. I prefer to to take it a little bit more easy, let things go, and enjoy different types of watches. And uh, do, do you still search for Hoyers or IWCs? Is that still a thing you do in the background?
0: They're still in my uh, eBay search terms, yes. <laughs> but um, I'm much more patient with those, I guess we could say. Uh, yes. It's... I mean, I still have my Hoyas and I wear them and all that sort of thing. I love them. They're fantastic watches. Um, but just pot routers are sort of taken over. It's that once you decide to sort of specialize, then I guess it's it's sort of a one-way street. There's no going back.
1: <laughs> well, that's a good thing for everyone because, uh, because you're bringing a lot of help to all the ones that are searching for these watches. So... Uh, Great job on that. And uh, and any modern stuff? Any modern watches? Modern watchmaking? I, I don't even know. You're not a watchmaker, are you? No, no, no,
0: no. Not at all. Oh. I've, uh, I mean, I've fixed my own pieces, but very um, sort of ham-fisted fixes. It's more of a uh, replace parts until, until it works, more than anything. Um, okay. But I mean, I kind of enjoy that as well. Maybe I can end up doing a very basic watchmaking course uh, one yes. day. Um, but modern watches, I only have a couple. I mean, it sort of gets to that, uh, that time of the year in in Copenhagen where it's, they have this, uh, rain that never stops, very light rain (laughs) that's never (laughs) stops until from between sort of November to March. Um, Really? Yeah. So I just, that's when sort of modern watches come out, at least, um, because they're going to get wet and you just don't have to worry about them. I just, I think from now, from soon, I just switch to, I have a Sea-Dweller. Um, a Rolex Sea-Dweller, yes, yeah, okay. Uh, what is it, 2005 or something like that, something
1: around there? Okay.
0: I am rubbish at reference numbers. Uh, Six hundred. Okay. Or is it a 166, I don't know. Yeah, who <laughs> cares? Um, it's really not my thing, reference numbers. <laughs> and that's for I love it. Um, and it's one of those watches that I'd never sell. Um, it's kind of your daily watch then yeah like
1: Rolex Daily from daily rain watch I'd say <laughs> <laughs> a daily for November or December well that's fun fact. November to March
0: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've never been to Denmark so I wouldn't know but uh yeah I forget I'd forget November to march <laughs> uh, do you have a, a special name for that type of rain maybe uh, maybe there's something in Danish but uh I'm not sure <laughs> it's just uh
0: it's One of those things you can go for a walk, but um, you kind of get wet without realizing you're getting wet. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can see that yeah. it's like being in, a, in a, so- a very cold
1: sauna, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, but how does an Australian guy end up there? Uh, <laughs> and how do you manage? <laughs> because
0: I manage. it's a nice place. Um, it's uh, I mean, I didn't come here for the weather, that's for sure. Um, surely. I mean, it's uh, the culture. the The, the people are, are very nice. Uh, it's a very different way of living, um, different expectations and work and home life and all these sorts of things. I mean, even uh, it's a social welfare state. State so things like uh, I mean, without trashing, sounding like I'm uh, <laughs> some kind of <laughs> no, no, <go laughs> yeah. No. It, it, it's kind of nice to be in a, in a country where everything seems to work or at least work much better um, you know you pay a high level of tax but you, you you get a lot for it I think
1: but somehow that's what uh, we all feel about Australia too because I, I don't know maybe you grew up in Australia then moved as a kid yeah. in Denmark or I don't know how it went but uh, today Australia is seen as a refuge like what you're describing where things seem to Ooh. work you haven't tried to catch a bus in Sydney, have you? <laughs> uh, public transport's a
0: bit of a mess in Sydney, anyway. But I mean, uh, that's another. That's another. Yeah, issue. but
1: it's the Australian way of life. The way we see it, Europeans, you know, it's uh, Australia is kind of a place where where I could certainly live, and um, I'm more of a of a Nordic European than a Southern one. Yeah. I like things organised too. You know, more of a Germanic. So I guess Denmark would be good for me, but uh, yeah. some people prefer the more Italian way of doing things. The Italian way, okay. I think I know what that <laughs> means. But, uh, maybe it's just a case of the grass is always greener. So Yes, true. Okay. Um, and so a Rolex exceed And uh, if you get back to watches, yep. um, and, and you were saying one or two modern watches, so maybe you have another one up your sleeve? I have a... Uh, a your
0: state. collection? Uh, Speedmaster Reduced, which doesn't sound very exciting, but it was. it's more of a um, sentimental value. It's a gift from a very good friend a long time ago. Uh,
1: I actually and, like the Reduced. Yeah,
0: I mean, I have a small wrist as well, so it kind of suits pole routers It also uh, suits uh, the Reduced Seamaster, uh, Speedmaster Reduced size as well.
1: Yes. Um, so that's your modern pieces for the rain. And uh, do you follow any of the of the news, you know the, the the Rolex releases stuff like that, or is uh, it not really your kind of? Uh... It's not really my kind. Of, my I'm not
0: really that into it. I mean, I, I the same reason people go for vintage watches—they have they have history, they have soul, they have something about them, right? Um, yes, totally agree. You, you, kind of, you don't have that with a, with a mo- uh, modern watch. That even with the vintage uh, re-releases and um, and all that, it's just. It's not quite the same, especially when you're talking about the, the prices. You know, you can buy a yeah, sure. Speedmaster for this much, brand-new re-edition, or you could just buy the old one, the original vintage one, if you search and have a little patience for pretty much the same price. Um, okay, maybe not in all cases, but in a lot of the case. Um, so I kind of think it's not really marketed towards me anyway. Um, yep. Even though they're saying vintage reissue. Uh, I think most vintage collectors would, given the choice, um, the modern reissue versus the original old one, they're always going to take the old one.
1: Any um, vintage collector will choose the old one, yeah. of course. even if, if they can't wear it from November to March. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, uh, well, you know, I maybe one day Universal Genève will spring back. I, I don't know what you know about the brand now and how it kind of uh, went down in the 70s. I mean, uh, I think part of me hopes
0: that they will, and part of me also hopes that they won't. Um, Of course, the key is if they do how they execute it, it could be a complete disaster or it could be fantastic. So I remain kind of, I guess, hesitant on on anything like that happening. There's a few um, uh, people that are sort of doing uh, their own take on a reissue of of Universal uh, chronographs is
1: uh, Messina Lab, uh, of course. Yes, know, yes. Reissue came out recently. Um, yes, I saw that they came out with a re- reissue. I must say I didn't look deep into it. I don't even know what it was about, really. Um, it so was the, like a big guy chronograph yeah, or something like yeah, that. So yeah, uh, their own take on a, a
0: modern uh, reissue, I suppose you call it. I guess I'm not. The right person to talk to about that, but um I mean that but again. That, that's kind of a case of vintage collectors were heavily uh critical, either positive or negative, about that sort of watch. But I'm I'm not entirely sure that the people who are criticizing this were the market for it anyway. Um, so I mean, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes, yes. Uh, it's kind of a weird, like, kind of hit that. Uh, okay, I know it's there, but I didn't. Pay too much attention to it, like like yourself.
1: Yeah, uh, what what I know from Universal Genève is that uh, when they sold the company at the time to a Chinese guy, it, it's, this is all things that I've been told uh, from uh, from from someone who, which is more to watch she's even uh, than me that and someone who is in Geneva is that it was sold to a Chinese guy at the time who had several brands, I think, and uh, when he died. He kind of gave the brand to one of his sons as a as a heritage, and the son in question had no interest at all in Universal Geneva or in watches whatsoever. So he kind of let the, the thing die, and now it only exists in in the Asian market as a yeah. modern brand that has nothing to do with the
0: original one. Yeah, I think they've tried a couple of uh, sort of. I mean, in, in hindsight, again, it kind sort of looked like a bit of a half-hearted. A reissue attempt, um, which didn't really have the soul of the original pieces. But, um, I mean, when they started doing this as well, Universal Genève as a vintage piece wasn't really that popular anyway. Yeah. Um, so if they tried it again, who knows?
1: But the executions would be the most important part. Yes, but what I know is, well, what has come to me as information is that that guy, that Chinese guy now, who is the son of the person who bought the uh, the company at the time when it went bankrupt, uh, still has the brand, but doesn't want to sell it because, of course, he has been approached many times by uh, by groups of people who wanted to to buy him a universal yeah a Genève and make it into something more of a heritage brand like we see now. And he always said no because it's a heritage from his dad. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about it other than well, it's, it's, it's that's Hong what Kong I company, know. Steelux or whatever it's called. But he's not sending it because it's personal to him in that way as a family thing. But uh, But he's not making anything out of it because he doesn't really care. So it's kind of a very... Very strange uh, situation. Well, I mean, it's a gold mine. If tomorrow this brand started again, like, like Longinus, you no, know, just like imagine Richemont or Swatch buying the Universal Genève brand, they would probably make something out of it.
0: I mean, I mean, he still seems to be renewing, or at least the uh, copyrights over a lot of the uh, model names and all this sort of thing are still uh, valid. Um, so he's still holding. Or maybe you follow that closely. I've had a little look. Um, (laughs) um, So I guess they're being renewed at some point. Um, uh, There are still some names that are, I guess, available. Um, They haven't been renewed or they've been lost over the the years, over the decades.
1: And they didn't, uh, well, you didn't have any trouble with your domain name then, with them? Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not selling anything. Um, It's just a purely educational
0: sort of platform.
1: Yeah, Um, because I mean... no, uh, no one contacted you from them, or you didn't contact them or anything when you did the website. No, I've, I've not
0: tried to contact them, and I've not had any contact back either. Um, but I mean, it was just my own little project, so I wasn't trying to reignite the brand or make new watches or. Yeah, of
1: course. Well, you no, know, this was a really a good insight, Adam. Thanks a lot for sharing all of this. Yeah, no, no problems. I know or maybe you, you had uh, something else to tell or specifics. Yeah, uh, no. I think uh... I think we've kind of done the Paul router a uh, given a yeah. uh, given a good insight on those watches. Um, if you're curious uh, listening to this just uh, you know just uh, have a look at the website, uh, do some research on the Paul router watch they are great watches. The movements are we haven't talked much about the movements but uh, yeah, uh, the micro rotor movements are beautiful movements really 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 Yeah, nice. fantastic finishing on the back of
0: them i mean yeah. it's kind of makes you wonder why um they they didn't have any kind of display case it's just uh, to think they made that kind of finishing just for the watchmakers to see uh, the people who were wearing them never saw this um and it, it
1: really beautifully finished movements um oh, the bridges have a nice shape too yeah. the micro rotor is well integrated yeah fantastic it's, uh, yeah, and it and and it works well. I mean, once it's well regulated, it's kind of a workhorse movement too.
0: Um, yeah, they don't. I mean, I'm not a watchmaker again, but um, in my experience, there parts are available even if they're secondhand. Um, it's very easy to get uh, non-functioning movements running again, just replacing a few parts. The main issue seems to be uh, the rotors themselves that that wear out either um, the stem post or it depends what kind of rotor you have. Uh, but there's actually an article on the site about that how to fix it or go about fixing them oh really um but other than that it, it's fairly they seem fairly straightforward um i mean i've pulled them apart and put them back together and i'm a complete amateur um and they've still worked when i put them back together so that's a good sign right <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, true yeah. that's true and if always if if worst comes to worst it's um you can always Movements
1: themselves are available, very easily available for a couple hundred euros, perfectly running. I remember uh, having spare movements too when I had many poor routers because uh, just in case a part broke or something. But uh, but I never really had big issues with the movements because they are pretty sturdy, well made. Yeah, I mean, I can't really comment on that, not being a watchmaker, but um,
0: I like them. That's That's as much as I can say. They're good looking. They sound nice when they're on the wrist, and uh, you know, and they they seem to keep when the watch has been serviced and everything. They keep really good time. Good time.
1: Awesome. Okay, I think we'll we'll wrap this up. Um, Instagram recommendations. Uh, do you have someone you think is worth mentioning to follow? Sure, I have a lot of them.
0: I mean, uh, where do we start? Uh, first of all, uh, Andy has done the Polar app. Definitely of course. following him at 10-10 um, timepieces, like so, one zero one zero time pieces. Um timepieces. Dandy Watchman, of course.
1: Yeah, of course, a yeah. classic. Yeah, he's, uh, I will stick to three because I'm going to to get into trouble if you say too many. Normally, it's one. We can yeah, work oh, to three, okay, so, okay. so um, Dandy Watchman, 10-10 timepieces. Uh, how about uh, Uptime Watch? He does these lazy Sunday video series, right? If you hadn't mentioned him, I would have mentioned him. And, and I think he's worth talking about. He's
0: actually really – I've just sent him a video that he's been editing for the last weeks um, on a broad arrow piece that I have, gold-capped broad arrow. Uh, so with broad arrow hands like the vintage um, – some vintage Amiga C masters have. So that that should be tomorrow. He, he releases that cool little video. But he does this every week.
1: Yeah, he is a very great guy. He does the Lazy Sunday video series, which drop every Sunday, where it's basically a front-side view of a watch, and uh, the hand's turn, and the bezel turn, and... uh, Yeah, he does all sorts of
0: different things with movements, and he just makes these really cool little videos every week. It's a new watch every
1: week. Yeah, great videos. Um, I think you'll have to come on the show someday to talk about that. uh, because it's very, very cool stuff. And it's really, the lazy word is, uh, is great because you have to watch them with a lazy eye. Yeah. Like, uh, in a couch and just look at them and just be hypnotized. It's kind of also a little bit ironic in, in the amount of work that he puts into these videos. Well, exactly. <laughs> it is ironic because it's lazy, but he's definitely not lazy yeah. about them. Great quality videos. Great account to follow. That's uptime watch in one word. Um, on my side, I'm just going to recommend one person, uh, because it's fun, because a few days ago, he contacted me, he sent me a wrist shot of his Paul router, which was the very first Universal Genev Paul router that I bought, It was a gold cap time-only one, beautiful with great patina, and I've actually taken this piece to Australia when I was in holiday a uh, few years back. And he recently sent me a photo, because he still has it. He's still wearing it and I sold it to him maybe over two years ago. So his Instagram handle is facehalk16. So F A Y double S A L K 16. And he's got a very varied collection. He's a great guy, nice collector. And he has my very first Paul Router, which I hunted down on eBay, got for a bargain. And that's just great memory to me. And I'm very happy that he's enjoying it now because it's a great watch. And I nearly regret selling it, like uh, we all do with some pieces. Yeah. <laughs> so, so,
0: although as my uh, my girlfriend's grand grandmother always said, you only regret your economies, right?
1: Yeah. You only, <laughs> you nice. only regret the things that you don't buy. <laughs> Is that a Danish? Uh, no, 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 no. no.
0: no. She <laughs> <choose> was English, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're also completely crazy, but that's uh, that's beside the point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that is very, very true. I'm going to note that down. Uh, thanks a lot for being there, Adam. It was a really interesting talking to you. Yeah,
0: thanks for inviting
1: me. Yeah, and uh, just uh, for people listening, follow Fifth Race, Fifth Race Radio. Leave a review of your watch on the website. I don't know if you know the Fifth Race website, Adam. It's basically a community-based website where people leave a review of their watch. There's a limited number of characters and you put a couple of photos on it and it can be vintage modern whatever but the aim is to have a kind of a website where uh, the owners of the watches uh, review their watch with the pros and cons and uh, if you ever have the time do leave a review of a couple of poll routers that could be really really cool yes that would be very cool I'll check it out and it's a very fun exercise too because with the limited characters you have to kind of choose what you say. And there are a lot of very fun reviews. Uh, like uh, Twitter for wristwatches, is it? Well, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think the aim is going to be like uh, rotten tomatoes kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, okay, because right. you because you rank the watch, you have uh, wearability and uh, yeah. value, etc., on a note of 0 to 100. So that gives an average. The aim is to have several reviews of different watches and of the same watches. But it's really mostly a community-based so, so that people can share their thoughts on the watches they wear. If you have time, it would be great to have a couple of poll on yeah. there because I don't think there are, or maybe one or two, but not many yet. Sounds good. Yeah, so fifthfifth.com. There's the podcast, of course, Fifth Fist Radio and all the good podcast players. And uh, follow Adam, of course, uh, at Hamblar, H-A-M-B-L-A-R. Follow also Paul the Rooster on Insta. and uh just to close the show i have a traditional last question adam you have four watches in the mail but we're not counting them what's what is your next watch going to be and you can answer that question whatever way you want
0: oh that is a tough question um partly because i never know what it's going to be it's always just what seems to appear um it would be nice if you're talking a modern watch it would be nice to have a lang uh Darf. i've been sort of saving up that for that for a long time it's never really eventuated um, oh really yeah but that's kind of that's a much bigger purchase than a pole router um yeah, so, but that's a great project yeah something to look forward to they weigh uh i mean they're platinum so they weigh a ton in your hand it's like walking around with a brick <laughs> pretty much um yeah i'd say that's the next Serious uh, purchase. That
1: Perfect in my mind. Great answer. Thanks a lot. And uh, people all around the world, stay on time.
0: Risk is by the community for the community. We would love you to join the crew via our group chat on Slack. Email us at contact at and join the movement.